This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services. Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, and today we are talking about making the next 15 the best 15. And with me today, I have certified financial planner, Kelsey Banky. Good morning, Mary. Good morning. So we're kind of excited about this show today, making the next 15 the best 15. And the name of the show is specifically uh, related to what we actually have going on today. So today, February 16th, that is the, the first airing of this show, this is actually our company's 15-year anniversary. Woohoo! Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of exciting. 15 years. Oh, it's very exciting. I'm especially proud as a small business owner because most small businesses don't last for 15 years. <laughs> so it's kind of awesome to have gotten to that mark and still be growing strongly and be focusing forward on the future. And um, so we're, we're very excited. So I just want to take a moment to thank everybody out there who's listening, clients, friends, listeners, everybody, um, for helping us get to where we have been able to be a strong com- company within the community for 15 years. That's awesome. So let's talk about how to make the next 15 the best 15. <laughs> and The first thing that I think we should talk about is if you want to make the next 15 even better, you've got to start by assessing where you are right now. Absolutely. Figuring out um, where you're at and what you can do to improve your situation is is pretty good thing to to be looking at. Yep. So here's a great quote that I heard from um, someone that I learned a lot from, a man by the name of Dan Sullivan. And Dan said that all progress starts by telling the truth about where you are right now. And a lot of times people really don't want to look very hard at that. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's hard to face things that aren't always as as good and fun. So Right, exactly. So the thing is, most people focus on their mistakes or what they should have done, and they're not taking time to celebrate their strengths or what they have done right. So when it comes to financial planning and assessing where you are, don't get lost in the, oh, gosh, I should have done this or I I didn't do this soon enough or, or I made that mistake kind of thing. Think about the things that you have that are strengths, what you've done right to get you to the point where you are today. And then you can learn from those mistakes you might have made to help you prepare for a better tomorrow. But if you want to make the next 15 the best 15, you do have to assess where you are now and then prepare for the next 15 years to make it even better than the last ones have been. 15 years is a long time. So preparing for that and, and setting, you know, whatever goals you want to set for yourself, whether it's health goals or social goals or financial goals, there's all sorts of things that if you make a plan now, you can um, put yourself on a better track to reach those goals. For sure. Absolutely. All right. Another thing that we think is important in making the next 15 the best 15 is making sure that you have the appropriate amount of emergency money on hand. So emergency money is going to be different from everybody. There's some rules of thumb about that. Some people suggest that you have three months worth of your net income. Some people say six months of it. My, my feeling is that you need to have at least enough that you feel comfortable but somewhere in between three to six months is ideal. 
And that comfort level is going to be different for everybody. So, I know, Kelsey, when you're working with people, do you usually find that spouses have the same exact number of emergency money that gives them comfort? Every once in a while, they're on the same page of that. And, and sometimes there's a spouse that's, you know, more conservative and mm-hmm. wants to have a little more. Um, and so figuring out how to compromise between the two is is a good uh, thing to look into. Um, but, you know, again, it, it is... There is rules of thumb, but personal feeling. If if you're going to stress out, if you don't have at least seven months of income in the in the bank, okay, it's not worth the stress to mm-hmm. earn a little bit more return on some of that money. However, if you can understand why you don't want to have too much money set aside for emergencies and and very liquid, um, then it, it makes it easier to kind of come to a compromise. So here's the thing about that coming to a compromise point is. It's very important to communicate within your family about money. Now, traditionally, money has been kind of a taboo topic. And unfortunately, it stays taboo sometimes even between spouses. People don't really talk about money. But our money beliefs and how we feel about money, especially how much you need for an emergency, really tend to come from deep core beliefs that were created very early on in life. So if you want to understand how your spouse really is going to feel about money, here's a great question to ask them. What was money like for you growing up? Because if for your spouse, if money for your spouse growing up was, gosh, you know what? We were poor. We didn't always have enough to eat. We didn't know where our next meal was coming from. You know, we wore hand-me-downs. We had one pair of shoes kind of thing. And, And a lot of people grew up that way. If that was their early experience with money, they are going to be someone who is mistrustful of money, who is always afraid that there's not going to be enough. And even if you have a lot of money, they're still going to feel some discomfort with it. They're still going to feel like it could all go away because it was what happened to them as a child when they developed their money beliefs. And so those people that had that experience generally are going to tend to want to have more in an emergency fund than less. Now, if your answer was, oh, well, it was fine. I mean, we had plenty of money. We never wanted anything. You know, we always had a new bicycle and, you know, money was easy. I don't remember thinking about money when I was a kid. Those people are going to be less likely to need a lot of money in an emergency fund. And they're going to struggle to understand their spouse's kind of panic around money. So if you want to make the next 15 the best 15, then communicate with your family about money and start to dive into some of these money beliefs. So Kelsey, for you, what was money like growing up? Well, I uh, grew up on a farm in the 80s. <laughs> so you can imagine <laughs> what that was like. My, my dad worked really hard. My mom worked really hard. Um, and I they never made it an issue for us. However, looking back, I, I recognize just how little we had. Mm-hmm. And I have a really vivid memory of my mom crying doing bills. And, oh and I don't, it didn't make sense at the time again, because you don't know what bills are. But I remember her crying as she wrote checks. And she, tell, she tells me now that she would send notes that said, you know, I can't pay it all, but here's what I can send. And I will send more when we have more. And, um, you know, grow, growing up in a small town, people allowed that kind of thing and they've made it right with everybody and they are well on on their feet now and and it, you know try to help people out there in that situation now and so it, it was 
interesting <laughs> to grow up that way. But all I have to say is I grew up on a farm in the 80s and everybody gets it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so. so how do you think that's influenced your own personal money beliefs right now? Like when you think about yourself paying bills or you think about your own emergency money or your financial situation, what does it make you feel or think? You know, I've always felt really proud to pay my bills. Like that sounds mm-hmm. kind of crazy, but getting new tires – it's never fun to spend that money, but I'm proud that I can do that and I can pay mm-hmm. cash for that. Um, and and so I, I, you know, just the basic stuff is is an accomplishment, and everybody should look at it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but all of my sisters and I really focus on being fiscally responsible and trying to build better lives for our children, knowing, you know, that 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 debt and things like that can really weigh on you and can really impact your emotional health. So I think it's super interesting that you say that because when we're talking about money beliefs, what you're saying is you feel pride because of how you're handling your money. And the flip side of pride is, is shame. And so like you seeing your mom go through that experience, she would have been feeling shame that she couldn't pay all of the bills at the right time. And she would have probably been feeling high levels of frustration and anxiety. And so you saw her emotional upheaval with it. And that's created fiscal responsible mm-hmm. responsibility for you and your siblings to give you the ability to feel pride. And that's what I'm talking about with money beliefs. Like we all have them. We just don't talk about it very much. Nope. <laughs> People like to avoid it. And, you know, good good conversation around money within your family and, and just with others can help you identify what you're doing right, like we said at the beginning, and also how to improve your situation. And then it can be done. Um, you know, just because your parents manage money in one way maybe isn't a healthy way. I don't know. I see a lot of things that are kind of crazy sometimes. Doesn't mean that a whole family has to operate that way and you can break a, a you know, a trend in your mm-hmm. family. If your family grew up um, with very little, you can break that trend and you can get out of out of poverty, Mary, like you, you had when you were younger, your parents did well, but you started off in a rougher situation. So. I did. By the time I was 19, I was already you know, divorced with two kids under two years old and we lived on welfare. So while I had a little more ease of money growing up, I went into a situation that deeply influenced my beliefs about money um, because it came from a place of scarcity, like just not having enough. I mean, the decisions I was making were, are we going to buy diapers today? Are we going to buy food today? (laughs) Those are pretty basic choices that you have. Those are not easy choices. And so it really made me understand and believe that the, the whole purpose of money is not about the things it does by you. It's about having choices. Because the more money that you have, the more choices that you have. And then you can choose to spend your money in such a way that you live the life that you want to lead. So that's a very fundamental core belief that came about from my own experiences with money. Now, that being said, because I went through that, I'm always going to be someone that has way more cash on hand than anybody else probably thinks is normal because that gives me that level of comfort. Mm -hmm. And it's born from that early experience with money. So in order to make the next 15 the best 15, it can really be a great experience to start diving into the idea of what was money like for you growing up and what kind of beliefs and feelings does it influence even now today so that you can use that to set yourself up in the best financial aspects for the next 15 years.
Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. And we are talking about how to make the next 15 years the best 15 years because we're celebrating our 15-year anniversary at Stirk Financial Services today, February 16th. So pretty exciting day for us. All right, so we've talked about a number of different things to help make the next 15 years your best 15. Now we're going to talk about something that we think is super important, and it's the concept of plan, protect, and grow. We believe in this so much it's even part of our logo. <laughs> <laughs> like if you look at the Stark Financial logo, it says it right on there, plan, protect, grow. And, and the truth is that for you to be the most aligned with your money, you need to have a plan. And so if you do not have a plan, then to make your next 15 years the best 15 years, let's get a plan going. Absolutely. There's that saying, I don't know who, who said it, but you know, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. There you go. Absolutely. I think everybody's probably heard that and I think it's very true. Where else could it be even more true other than your own money and your financial situation? So within your plan, when you think about protecting and growing, some of your money you're going to want to protect and some of your money you're going to want to let it grow. And everybody's amounts that they need to do those things with is different. So what's right for you is different than what's right for somebody you know. And it's really important to dial in on this because if you protect too much, you are missing out on growth that can be really important to right. you. Uh-huh. Um, you know, beating the... the um, your life expectancy. You know, mm-hmm. if you live longer than you plan, but you dialed all your money back too far, um, longevity risk is going to get to be a problem for you. Nobody wants to outlive their money. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, here's the thing. The two mo- biggest mistakes that people make when it comes to retirement planning, the first one is they get conservative with all their money. They think, oh, gosh, you know, I'm going to retire. I need to get conservative now. And they take all of their money and they get conservative and they don't leave anything out there to grow. I get that all the time. I have Mm -hmm. people say, I ask people, you know, how do you feel about risk? What's your risk tolerance level? And they say, well, I'm, you know, 60. So I I guess I should be conservative now. Nope. (laughs) That's not how it works. (laughs) I mean, you might need to be conservative. You might, but you don't just say I'm 60, therefore I'm conservative. It's Mm -hmm. not that simple. And it's a good thing that it's not that simple. You can really dive in and, and dial into how you feel about risk and align your money in a way that makes more sense than just I'm 60, so I should be conservative. The second biggest thing that people do wrong in retirement is if they didn't get conservative with any of their money and then the market drops, they're taking money out of the wrong places. So they're taking money out of accounts that just lost a lot. And then if you do that when the market's down, that account never will have the chance or the ability to recover the way that you'd like it to. So it's it's two sides of the same coin. It's you either get too conservative or you didn't get conservative enough. And, and so finding the balance there in the middle is truly what good financial planning is about. And doing that kind of planning where you're focusing on protecting and growing your money is going to help you set up your next 15 years in the best possible way. Okay, the next thing that I want to talk about is what happens if you have extra money? What happens if you inherit money or you have a windfall or let's hope you won the lottery, whatever. But let's just say you have extra money, you're doing really well. What do you do with it? And there is a great rule that we've come up with that we call the rule of thirds. And so if you want to make your next 15 years the best 15, then extra money, think about doing this with it. The first third 
you use to pay down debt. So if you have any debt, you take extra money and take a third of it and pay down your debt. The second third, you save for the future. So if you're in retirement now or if you're planning for retirement, you put that money away and you plan to use it in the future. And the last third, you enjoy and spend it now on something fun. <laughs> I love that third. <laughs> <laughs> That's everybody's favorite third, for sure. <laughs> I'm even a financial planner, and I love that third. You know, you have to enjoy life today because who knows if tomorrow's coming for you. Right. And I hear so many people say, I wish I would have done more with my kids when they were this age. I wish I would have mm-hmm. done this while I was healthy. I wish I would. I wish I wish, you know. So take some time and live it up today, live it up now, but still be responsible with part of that money. So a lot of people might be getting some tax refunds coming up in a couple of months here. Keep that rule of thirds in mind when you're um, figuring out what to do with those refunds mm-hmm. um, and, and help move yourself forward in retirement, help move your debt down a little bit and then have some fun. One of the reasons that the rule of thirds works so well is because there's a balance there of living today and saving for tomorrow is because if you try to be too disciplined and say, oh, I'm not going to touch this, I'm going to save it all for later, then a lot of times what you'll do is be disciplined until you're not and then you blow it. Like you'll be like, oh, forget this, you know, I'm going to just go have some fun. I deserve this. I earned it or whatever. And you blow up your own plan. So that's the reason that taking a piece of this and enjoying it today prevents you from kind of messing up your plan for the future, which a lot of that is just kind of human nature and what we tend to do. Okay, so another suggestion that we have for making your next 15 the best 15 is to automatically increase your savings as time goes by. So there's a couple ways to do this, but the best place to do that in is inside your 401k. Absolutely. So some 401ks have this as an option already that it will um, automatically increase for you. Um, if yours doesn't, it's very simple to do. Um, but you, you need to pay attention to your 401k rules. Some plans will only let you change your um, contribution amounts quarterly or maybe semi-annually or annually. Um, but increasing inside your 401k, it comes out before you ever see your paycheck Um doing it around the time of a raise. So Mm -hmm. if you get a cost of living raise or if you get a promotional raise, um, doing it around that time, you know, again, increase your current lifestyle with part of that, but also save for your future self with part of that. So allocate another percent over to your 401k or something like that is a really great way to uh, increase your savings automatically. Another thing you can do to increase your savings is um, using apps on your phone. So people are getting more and more techie. People have apps on their smartphones. And you can set up some different things with, with a variety of different apps that do things like this. If I spend money at Starbucks, I want you to put an equal amount into my savings account. So like a lot of people will take their paychecks and things like that and have them go into a checking account. And that's what they have money kind of revolve around. It goes in and out of their checking account for their expenses. And maybe they have a savings that really is just savings. But you can set up these rules that say, if I spend money at a certain place, put an equal amount or a certain amount into my savings. So people who like to go do things like that, and and the best example I can give is Starbucks. 
for every time I go to Starbucks, put $5 into my savings account automatically too. It's just this really cool way of automatically saving that you don't even think about. There's a lot of fun ways to, Mm -hmm. I I guess, trick yourself into saving more (laughs) if people need to be tricked. But Mm -hmm. um, automatic savings can do wonders for people's budgeting. Um, It it really, really can. So I encourage you to, to explore those options. All right. One thing that this is specifically speaking to the women listeners out there, in order to make your next 15 your best 15, we think that every woman who this resonates with should have what we call a getaway fund. And a getaway fund is some money squirreled away that is in your name that would allow you to extricate yourself from an unhealthy situation. So sometimes women stay in a bad relationship. Sometimes women stay in an unhealthy setting or an environment because they can't financially get themselves out of it. And so I can't stress enough that one of the best things that women can do is have a getaway fund just in case they actually do need to get away from something that's harming them. So that's one thing that women out there might think about in order to make their next 15 the healthiest and best 15. Okay, another thing that I want to talk about then is building a relationship with a financial fiduciary that you can trust. There's a lot of things out there in the world right now about this concept called a fiduciary. And a fiduciary is somebody who always puts your interests first. The client's best interests are first. Now, you would think that all financial advisors do that, but the truth is there's a fiduciary standard that's very specific, and not all advisors actually follow that standard. Absolutely. So it's really important for you to ask that question when you're working with someone. Um, And if they don't know what a fiduciary is, that'd be your first sign that (laughs) they're probably not a fiduciary. But also, they can usually provide you something in writing that shows Mm -hmm. that they are. Um, So if you're you're not trusting of what they're telling you, again, that's another warning sign. But, um, you know, you can easily provide documentation that shows if you're a fiduciary or not. So really important. It's really important that when you go get advice, you um, think that you can trust what's going on with that. Okay. Well, we hope that this list of 15 or things that you can do to make your 15 the next 15 or the best 15 has been helpful. As a special gift to those of you who are listening, we're giving away free copies of my ebook, Ready to Pull the Retirement Trigger. It's our celebratory anniversary gift to you. So if you'd like a copy of that, just reach out to us through our website or call our office and we'd be happy to send you a copy. So thanks for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk. The views expressed are not necessarily the opinion of your audio provider and should not be construed directly or indirectly as an offer to buy or sell any securities or services mentioned herein. Investing is subject to risks, including loss of principal invested. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. No strategy can assure a profit nor protect against loss. Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should only be relied upon when coordinated with individual professional advice. Securities and investment advisory services are offered through Woodbury Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, SIPC. Insurance offered through Sturk Financial Services, which is not affiliated with Woodbury Financial. Sturk Financial Services is located at 350 Oak Tree Lane, Suite 150, Dakota Dunes, South Dakota 57049, and can be reached at 605-217-3555.